This Rock Talk podcast recording is an interview and opinion product that is the property of rocksubculture.com, all rights reserved. Rocksubculture.com is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this programme. Welcome to Rock Talk, the official podcast for rocksubculture.com. Each podcast features interviews with special guests to discuss all aspects of popular music. Rocksubculture.com travels the globe to experience, review and archive live concert events. Interview those involved in producing and performing a variety of genres of popular rock music as well as find and learn about related studio and stage-used artifacts and memorabilia. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBoard. Welcome to the podcast, and today my guest is Susan Ottaviano from Book of Love. So, Hello. Welcome. <laughs> I know we exchanged some emails and I was really excited to talk to you. I think I told you that I actually skipped my high school senior prom back in like 1991 to see you guys and you had OMD opening for you in Sacramento. Oh so. my God. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's so, wow. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the one time I've seen you guys, but I was, I was a really big fan, um, you know, throughout the 80s and then beyond. And I thought maybe we'd open by talking about these concert dates you have coming up in California because I know a lot of people are going to be excited to turn out for those and the the one I'll be attending is the one at the DNA Lounge in San Francisco on October 9th awesome and I think you said that you're doing one on the 8th correct yes we're going to be playing at Silver Lake in LA on the 8th and then we're coming to San Francisco and going back to do a few more LA area shows but we're really excited to be back in San Francisco we haven't been there I guess oh my god I don't know if we went there I think we probably went there in 2001 yeah so but it was just like a small club like a like a dance club date or something like that so we're we're excited to be back yeah and I think I think you'll like the venue because I saw Prince actually twice this year at the DNA lounge and it's it's a pretty cool little intimate two-story kind of high-end high-tech club that's it's really nice because you can actually see the stage really well no matter where you're standing so it's one of those shows yeah where it's like no matter where you are you're you're really good and the it's good in there acoustically too so oh that's great i love there's this place terminal five that's um in new york it's sort of like it sounds like the way you're describing like you can be on the upper levels and you can you can see it from the sides, or you can be like right in the crowd in the audience. Yeah. Uh, so basically, show. yeah. So the floor is just kind of a square, and then the upper level is like a C that sort of goes around it. That's not too deep, so you're kind of pretty much on the rail if you're up above. So it's it's a really cool concert venue. So I was excited when, of course, I heard you guys were playing, but especially there, like if I could pick one place oh, in great. San Francisco, I think I'm glad that we we picked a good location because we were, you know, trying to remember the places that we played before like did you was the name of the club one step beyond that you saw us at um i saw you yeah i saw you in sacramento and i think it was called one edge up if i remember right and it wasn't around terribly long maybe a year or two 
But it, yeah, edge it, was a big word then. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of clubs called like in excess or excess. Exactly. Or during that time period. So I can't really, re- sometimes I remember and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing people have been talking about is that you've got some, you guys are working on some new material, which is really exciting. We are working on some new material. So we hope to uh, get it finished and debut it for these shows. Cool. So now, we got work to do. Are you working like on a full album or just some new right songs? No, I think we're just working on a few songs and we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Are you guys taking a different approach? Is it going to sound like your vintage stuff or is it going to sound a little different? Like kind of where are you guys at musically today? Well, it feels really exciting. To, I feel really excited to get started doing this again because I feel kind of really open. It's sort of like um, coming full circle with the whole um, process. And I guess I just feel excited about the opportunity to, um, to, to you know, write music again. And also just that... When I say it's come full circle, it's like, you know, you, you kind of have a, a, you really have more of an objective view of your work and everything like that. So now I guess I feel like it's, and through the trends and the changing times and where you fit in and in different things, now it just feels exciting to kind of go back and be yourself and, you know, do what you like. I mean, that's how we sort of started. Uh-huh. Um, we sort of never kind of... Um, you know, we kind of never fit in really that well anyway, but, you know, somehow we fit into a few different genres. And I always feel like as an artist, you know, do what you like and kind of jump off from there. Yeah, you know, that's actually one of the things I was going to ask you. Like, when you guys were writing music, were you writing, like, were you your primary audience? Were you writing, like, the kind of music that, you know, you wanted to hear from, from other people? I think definitely, like, I, I, that's why I was saying... um, that I feel excited because I think that throughout this whole, I mean, we're, you know, we came out of art school, we all went to art school and that's sort of where our sensibilities sort of um, started, you know, where we really started, um, uh, where our heart is in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, we created music in that way. And I think that I see through all the other projects that I've worked on through my life. I mean, that's, that's where I really am that, you know, I'm an artist first. And if I'm working on music or I'm working on painting or I'm working on something else, it's sort of to approach it, making what you like and, um, you know, just following your, um, you know, you, sort of your heart and what sounds good and feels good to you, yeah. you know, and what you feel like right now, sort of as being a band that was part of the 80s and then moved into the, you know, 90s where music changed and the fashion changes. And um, I have to say that, you know, at early on, you know, it was very, uh, it was very intimidating and very threatened, threatening to see things kind of change, the music change. But it's sort of like the rite of passage, and it's um, kind of exciting that there will always be new people coming in and, and doing things and, and trying to change the world. And, you know, I think that's what we wanted to do. And I still find it exciting to watch other people do it and to be able to do it in your own way. Yeah. Now, you know, your background was in art. You went to art school. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about music? Because music's kind of a different among the arts because you actually have that real one-on-one connection with your audience when you're performing live. Like, how was that for you versus you know other ways you kind of um, you know do art? You know, as far as like you know painting or something, it's different than as a music artist. You're actually out there performing. You can actually see your audience reacting to what you're doing? Like, what was that like, you know, when you first started out? 
Well, I think the performing kind of uh, colors everything I do because I think that, you know, I sort of feel like every job, everything I do, there's so much of the band in it. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know if you know, but I'm a food stylist. I do food for, um, uh, like, uh, advertising and for editorial. Okay. And I feel like, I, you know, I work in production. I'm doing something. So it's like, for me, those... My job feels like it's a it's a it's a gig every day. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You go in, you set up your production, you do something creative, um, you sort of take that kind of risk, see what happens, get all your your gear out of there, and do it do it again the other the next day. <laughs> right, right. So, going back to the the origins, like before you guys got together, you know, you were going to art school. Did you have mm -hmm. musical aspirations or is that something that just sort we of... We were big music fans. Yeah. And I had always sung. There was, you know, there's, there's a musicality to all the members of the group. And mostly we were just really big fans of the of the punk scene, uh, going into the new wave scene of the early 80s. And and um, we just sort of took it on and decided to do it ourselves. And... and, um, and uh, you know, got very excited and we were very, it's a passion. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it always comes from that kind of place. Uh, we were passionate about music and we were passionate about the bands that we liked and we wanted to try to do it too. And we, we just got it, got started and tried to make music that we liked. Yeah. So when you guys first started, I mean, obviously technology was way different, <laughs> you know, back, back in the early eighties. Totally. So how did you go about figuring out, you know, what kind of equipment you needed, how it all worked together, how to record, like how did that whole process Well, we had no about? aspirations to become like synth pop legends. Uh -huh. I think we, you know, we turned to the keyboard, especially since, you know, Ted became such a writer and such a um, producer and, and, and such a visionary that we sort of, he sort of adopted the technology to, cre to create his vision. Hmm. So it was a very um, organic process. Interesting. And then when we got into the studio and we started to work with people, it's the same thing as like what, what I'm saying about a painting and sort of, you know, um, developing your color palette and getting better, you know, mm. equipment and, and materials. It's sort of, it, it worked from there. And Ted just really, as soon as we got into the studio, he had such a vision and then he, um, you know, kept working towards creating that. And what, what was interesting and what was exciting and sounds that were interesting and and, um, you know, we just sort of moved in that direction. But we definitely didn't set out to be, like I said, we were part of this sort of the early new wave, late punk kind of stuff. And, and we sort of moved in that direction. I mean, you know, we barely knew Depeche Mode when we went on tour with them. Yeah, yeah. So how did you guys get hooked up with them? Because you toured with them for Some Great Reward and Black Celebration, right? Right, right. Well, we were both on fire at the time. And then um, Boy had just been sort of like this breakout hit and um I, I think the boy came out and I, I think it was like a couple months later and the tour presented itself and we were so not ready for it and um <laughs> all of a sudden we were on the road and we learned you know we just learned so much we learned a lot in front of people as well yeah <laughs> so how was it for you to because back I mean back in the 80s it was kind of a bigger deal than it is now to travel and see different countries and things like that so what was that experience like for oh it's such a wonderful experience and so exciting to be you know 20 years old and traveling through europe and and going to you know it was it was amazing and uh 
I I'm sure I enjoyed it in a way that it would be difficult for me to enjoy today. It was just it was very exciting. You know, I really and and I also became to love came to love the band. You know, we we ended up you know we were in like all these crazy places all over Europe. So we watched the. <laughs> their show every night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we even knew that we could leave if we wanted to. I mean, we were just kind of so young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had no place to go. Yeah. Was there like a favorite city or favorite show like that really had an impact on you that really kind of surprised you? In Europe or in the U.S.? Um, like in Europe or outside the U.S.? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, kind of all the obvious answers. I think that... um. Uh, you know, it's great going to Paris. It was great. You know what actually was is really interesting today is that um, going to cities that like you would never go to. Like when somebody talks about something like uh, I don't want to insult anybody's city, but um, <laughs> just like a small town or a smaller city that people don't have the opportunity to go to see, Norman, right. Oklahoma, or something like that. Right. Right. Or. Um, you know, just places like that, it's really fun to say, yeah, you know, actually, I went to that diner. It was really fun. Right. You know, that's <laughs> something that is kind of a lifetime experience. So when somebody says, I'm sure you've never been to Lubbock, Texas. Right. I'll say, well, actually, I have. <laughs> yeah. Or Corpus Christi. We went to a lot of places in Texas. I'm surprised at all the places we went because we recently found a, um, uh, you know, a gig list from the 90s. You know, like, we did, like, 15 or 20 shows just in um, in Florida. So... I think it's great to have the opportunity to go to some place that's not just the greatest hit. Right. But of course, the greatest hits were fun too, like, you know, New Orleans and places like that. Yeah. So how did you guys end up with Sire Records? Because they had a lot of great bands on, on that label with you guys. So how did, how did you end up with them? Um, there was a DJ, Ivan Brotman, Ivan Ivan, who um, he was just starting a a, a sort of a subsidiary label with Seymour Stein at the time. So Ivan was a local DJ and he had just been um, uh, starting a relationship with um, with Seymour Stein from Sire. And he had this uh, track, Dominatrix, that was kind of like a big dance hit, um, early 80s. And um, he was actually friends with Lauren. We used to move with the... Um, the Pyramid Club, that's where he DJed, and Lauren gave him a, a copy of our Devil State Boy that we were just currently, like, kind of not even shopping around. We were just trying to get gigs around town. And he played it for Seymour, and Seymour really liked it, and we got signed just it, on the basis of that. Oh, cool. And then um, how did you come about working with Flood, and what was it like working with him? Flood was great. Yeah, Flood was great. I think that at that time... Flood had not worked with, worked with, he hadn't worked with Depeche Mode yet. He might have been working with um, Erasure before that. I had, I'm not sure of the timeline, mm-hmm. but we'd heard about him. And, and actually, for our second album, Seymour sent us to um, London for a little while. We met with a bunch of producers, and Flood just felt like the right fit for us. And he was great. Cool. Have you have you guys stayed in touch at all over the years? No, I haven't talked to him. I don't. I, what has he been working on? Do you know? I'm not. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, but he was a great. You know, I, I'm not surprised about his success. He was very um, devoted, and he spent a lot of time and a lot of, um, you know, TLC with us. So yeah. How did you guys come about doing your your version of Mike Oldfield's Tubular yeah. Bells from The Exorcist? 
Well, that's what's kind of fun to look back on sometimes, especially even recent. Just some of the kind of like the wacky ideas that I can't even believe that we did, <laughs> you know. I, I guess it, like that's an, an example of something that I wasn't even that much of a part of, but it's a kind of classic book of love. It's a song that Ted loved and just everything that, you know, just enjoying some of the nostalgia of looking back at, at some of these things and like can't believe that we... Um, <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean it's just some wacky. Like we recorded at this church, uh, St. John the Divine, in um, in uh, Upper Manhattan, and and played the church organ, and just like some of these kind of crazy schemes. Like I said, especially the ones I I don't even think that I was part of, but <laughs> I just think that they took a lot of vim and vigor. And I I guess that's what I'm saying to you when I'm talking about being excited about writing again to sort of jump off from that place of just like well you know, let's just do it yeah. kind of thing. Or if you're <laughs> excited about it or you're passionate about something, just, you know, give it a spin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with you guys working on new stuff today, how do all the changes in, you know, technology and sort of impact what you're doing today? Like, does it, is it making any difference or is it just a well, different definitely. tool? I think it's a whole different world. I mean, everybody with a, you know, we were, when we recorded, you know, it wasn't something that everybody had access to, like a pro studio and, and, um, equipment and they could make music. If mm-hmm. this was, you know, something that only a very privileged few could do. Right. But right. So that now that everybody has access to that equipment, you know, um, I think the technology is where it should be, where it's like something very, you know, Ted is just amazing about the care that he takes and the, the, you know, and, you know, like what I was saying about his vision about every sound, every, you know, he's very, um, he just, he, he's great that way. And I I think that uh, the technology is going to be important, but I also don't want it to, you know, to strangle you into not being able to do something interesting right well i think in your way yeah i think how you describe them i mean i think that really comes through the music because your guys' songs were always very it's like you had some unique kind of simple sounds but then you had so much layering and and all the sounds were kind of separated and it just seemed very like precise it wasn't you know like a lot of electronic bands at the time you know there's a lot of keyboards and synthesizers but it was pretty simple and and repetitive, whereas you guys sort of had more of this soundscape thing going on where it was well, just... Well, every sound is there for a reason. Yeah. And if it's not a reason or it's a happy accident, then you need to explain that. You right, know what I mean? Right, It's just, it's very, it, 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 it's very, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's just um, definite about your choices. Yeah. Or intentional. It's intentional. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think you guys were kind of pioneers in having that electronic sound, but you you'd use like guitar riffs, but in a real sort of specific, you know, way where you'd have this catchy sort of hook, but it wasn't like overpowering. It was more, it almost was more like a sample than, than actually someone standing there playing guitar, you know? And that seems to have really been a trend that's just grown and grown. And totally. I guess it, it was very different at the time, but this was the way, I mean, it's just, it makes sense because if you were in a band today, with somebody that's, you know, the writer or the visionary, um, you don't need like four people to each play their their parts. I think right. that it's, it's it's sort of a different world. That was very very different at the time. Yeah, and I think people forget like they'd hear your music now, and it, and now there's a lot of bands that have come along that sort of mimic kind of what you were doing, 
at the time. But if you go back in the context of when you did it, it was it was like super innovative, you know? Yeah. I mean, things can, you know, certain sounds, like you say that certain albums sound more dated than others because of the sounds. But the songs are, are you know, they're very, the songs are really good, solid songs. And I think, I guess just the way you would, you know, you, you look at like, um, you know, lots of artists and some of them sort of, stand the test of time more than others right. or seem dated more than others. And there's always a lot of different reasons for that, whether, you know, what's what, what sort of the legacy and how it, and sometimes it's surprising, you know, you never know. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it seemed like you guys were really prescient in the sound of your music. There's a, there's a lot of artists, new artists today that they're kind of following in your footsteps in terms of sort of the style and genre and, um, tone of their music and um the other thing that's kind of interesting is you guys were sort of out there with more gender identity kind of lyrics and and ideas and things like that which you know there weren't too many people doing that at the time and you know you look at where we are today and um you know it's kind of remarkable you know what you guys were were singing about and doing back then and it was very like ted brought up to me um that like you know that song i love it that's out right now yeah yeah it's very popular it's like you know who delta five were uh-uh. um it's just sort of a girl group that like that's the kind of that would be an irreverent punk song at the you know right like 30 years ago right but now it's a mainstream song yeah and um it's just that things have changed and you don't really know like i saw our wiki page and it says something like what you just said gender issue we talking about you know aids and gender issues and stuff like that and right. i'm like hmm you know that's it's you know it's kind of a nice legacy. I like that, you know, uh, again, we were talking about things that we were, you know, interested or experiencing at the time. Yeah. And, um, I think that, um, that's why just going back to, you know, write what you know, you know, just what you're passionate about. And if other people share that passion, that's, you know, that's the power of, communication and art and and music and stuff yeah and i think you guys had an approach that was more celebratory than sort of being like oh we're being political now and you know we're in your face about it it's more like you know come along with us and you know what i mean it was just a different way way to express things that are different i mean some people are dark in a you know a really dark way some people are dark in sort of a you know it's sort of the way that people choose to like um kind of tell the story you know what i mean right right i think we did it through pause i think that's the type of people that we are so it's sort of like you know a positive energy and let's try to improve but some people sort of express their darker side in a different way yeah yeah so you guys i mean to me all rock music whatever genre is sort of has like a kind of a pop element because i think what sort of catches the imagination of the mainstream is is when you get that sort of formula together that you can't really quantify, but everything just sort of works and you get that kind mm-hmm. of hooky, catchy music. Yeah. You know, like the Beatles. I mean, the, the perfect example. Yeah. And you guys seem to sort of have captured that ability to do that. And I'm wondering, like, is that a conscious thing or is it just organic? Like, that's just kind of how your music, <laughs> you know, comes okay. about. Well, I think it's kind of like that per- perfect pop song, what excites you. Right. I feel that way working with Ted again. I will always be a fan. That's why I wanted to work with him. I love the way that he, you know, 
creates melodies. I love the music that he he turned me on to over the years. And I think that in the 90s, for a lot of reasons, we were a little lost. I think that music really changed back and moved away from a lot of that pure melody kind of uh, songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I think at a certain point, we also got in, you know, you kind of, you can get lost on the path a little bit, you know, I think that, or, or you can forget the, your roots or the, or the reason why you, you did this to begin with, you know? Yeah. So well, I think for us, um, definitely the pop song and the songs that I continue to like and the music that I like today. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of great things out right now. I'm not like, you know, it's, Oh, I wish the songs were like the eighties, you know, or something. Right. Um, it's, it's exciting to see music going in a lot of different directions. I think. Yeah. You know, there, you, you mentioned the early nineties and kind of that big shift in music yeah. and, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I know Nirvana was a big part of that because then it, you know, started the whole quote grunge thing. But to me, Nirvana was had that sort of pop element, whereas the other totally. grunge bands, I didn't really care for at all. But Nirvana did. It's it's funny because I was just watching that um, Sound City documentary with Dave Grohl and, and he talks about how the Beatles were this huge influence on him and stuff. And to me, that totally makes sense because they had that totally. real pop element, whereas kind of the the Me Too bands that followed didn't have that at all. Like to me, it was kind of the, totally, the other extreme. Kurt Cobain, all his influences, I always loved everything that he, you know. But you know, sometimes they would. It's just they were wearing a different outfit. It's the rite of passage too, and you know, and honest over the years, like people are looking for something new, and they always will be. And that's you know, and I am too. That's yeah. You know, that's part of the change. I guess it's just how you kind of are able to deal with that i kind of remember at that moment I, I don't know i thought about it recently but i remember we were like you know we need like a justify my love remember that <laughs> yeah. you know and i'm like it just it was i'm just laughing because it was like it's kind of forgettable anyway and um but that sort of it was going in that the pop you know the more like melody melody was sort of falling by the wayside it was getting into a little bit more of the riffs and some of the things that we didn't fit as well and i think that also we were having the growing pains in the band and, and in general about how to move forward. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how music delivery has changed? I mean, back in the day we had, as vinyl went away, we had cassettes and CDs and everything. And now it seems like it's more yeah. and more rare to, for people to have an actual product in their hands. You know what I mean? There's not that yeah. tangible, you know, oh, this is cool. Here's the album artwork, and it's a full album, not just a single. And you know, do you have any thoughts just in general on how? Well, much I guess it's it, you know, it's not going to be the same. You know, it's not going to be the same thing as it was when I was growing up, and we wanted to see that. You know, that maybe musicians aren't going to be the people that are delivering the art that uh, that people are most interested in. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that's gone. It's sad because that was something that was very exciting about the image. But I guess fans have to. Um, create their image in a different way. I mean, the same thing happened when video came along. You know, we were right at the time when, you know, when I look at some of these old videos for everybody, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't think mine are very good, but, you know, there's a lot of bad ones in the in the 80s and stuff. It was sort of like a new media, yeah, new medium, and who's going to be good at it, you know, and who's, what, what the, you know, what you're doing. And that, now there can be some videos that are kind of brilliant and creating that, 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 um, you know, the what the album cover art used to do is is 
portray this like mood and image. Right. Mood is a really huge word because that's what, you know, that's what bands were sort of saying with all these things, their look, their artwork, their sound, they're creating a mood. And it's sort of like, how do we do that now? Are people on Instagram? Um, are, are, they, are they getting their art from Instagram instead of like album covers? Are they, mm. You know, it's just, it's, it's all over the place now. Yeah. Does well, that mean that music isn't, artists and, you know, music isn't as, as important as, as it was then because it's not, I mean, I, you know, record companies still don't know how to make money yet. So it's, pretty interesting you know where is it gonna go yeah well that's funny that's actually one of my other questions i was going to ask you about is is as an artist where do artists make their money today because i hear different things you know some say it's all through touring and merchandise there's no real money and you know actual the actual music product anymore um you know and i well, hear different also things the whole like um you know licensing thing seems to be you know, you could be touring all over the place and then you've got your song on Girls or something like that or you get your song into something or, or you're, you're going to do a car commercial and that can mm-hmm. change your life as right. opposed to getting signed to Warner Brothers. Right. So it's really it's this sideways kind of thing and I think that it, it's very different. I mean, when we were first around, you didn't want to, you know, do a licensing deal. Right. But it's so interesting because I just was watching this car commercial, um, you know, like an Iggy Pop comes up and... Um, <laughs> It's like for John Barbados. Did uh-huh. you see that yet? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so they're using Iggy as somebody everybody knows. Right. Whereas like 20 years ago, that's what only a certain amount of people would know who, <laughs> who he is. And right. It's just, it's all interesting, you know? Yeah. So do you have any sense of where it's all going? <laughs> is this um, like... I don't, you know, I'm not the right person to ask with that, but that's what I see more. The licensing deals, the touring... Everybody wants to cut of the touring now. I mean, they used to stay away from your touring money because of the fact that, like, you didn't make that much. It is hard to make money on the road. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know exactly what's happening with, you know, our where, like, um, mid-sized artists, are, you know, are getting their money. I mean, the big artists are probably still making, you know, the, you know, the top 10 artists are still making a lot of money through... I don't know what they're making a lot of money. I mean, Beyonce's doing a, like an H&M commercial, so. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny, <laughs> you know. I used to go to private school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I go to a lot of shows. I've already been to like 50-something shows this year. And, uh, Do you I, feel like you're going to more shows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's always interesting. I always try to like, when I'm at the show at some point, kind of try to figure out where the money's being made. and and. I think one of the ones that really surprised me was like um, Bon Jovi because he played, you know, this giant 17,000 person, you know, indoor arena that was sold out. But it's like everything was so expensive. Like a, you know, concert T-shirt was like 60 bucks. And wow. I mean, it was just there. Everything had a dollar price on it, you know, and it just seemed like it was totally monetized, which to me was kind of weird because I'd never actually seen him before. But I just sort of had this image of him as like this more you know out for the blue collar guy kind of artist and it was just so corporate and um you know then I'll go to a smaller show and it's like you just scale what you're seeing up and down and it's kind of interesting seeing you know what kind of artists are are making a ton of money and which ones you know probably are, are struggling to just keep on the road and you know keeping their music out there 
Well, I can see that there's different trends as your audience is older. I mean, we're definitely selling more T-shirts and merchandising is definitely up because I think people have more money. Yeah. I mean, when I was going to concerts, when I was, you know, 19 years old, I didn't even buy a drink. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> it's just, there was just so little money there. Um, and I'm sure I only bought a T-shirt if I was, <laughs> you know, absolutely in love with it or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think there's more money to spend and, and I think that concert promoters are looking into that all this, you know, all this VIP tickets and stuff like that, none of that existed when, um, you know, 20 years ago, that kind of stuff, ways that people can make, you know, can make more money out of this. Yeah. And it seems like they're really kind of pushing the envelope on a lot of, um, like the VIP packages where you can only be yeah. in the first 20 rows if you spend like $500 and, you know, they give you a glass of wine too and things like that. And it's like the prices yeah. keep creeping up because I'll see like an artist on tour at the beginning of the year and I'll just, because I like to just sort of keep in touch with what's going on and I'll see like the yeah. prices for things. And then they'll like wrap back around to California at the end of the year and the prices will go up. So it seems like they're kind of seeing what they can get away with, I think, in terms of, yeah. you know, the really top grossing artists you know these these package deals so it's kind of interesting and you'll see people like i have a friend who she you know um you know wants to go see the Mode. she her husband bought her vip tickets you know mm-hmm. they're, if they're going to make the night of it you know they're going to they want to have they want to be part of the whole thing right they're going to get a ticket they're going to get a babysitter this is like you know <laughs> sort of the the and I think that people are going to concerts. I mean, this new generation is like not like our mother, you know, like our parents that didn't go to concerts when they were in their 40s. Right. So I think that that's what's changing. I mean, I'm just noticing that everybody and their brother is out from like yeah. the 70s, Dave Mason to like, you know, the 90s, Counting Crows. Yeah. You know, they're all out this summer. So it's interesting, you know, with that happening 20 years ago. I don't know. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes me think a lot of. Um the revenues coming from touring and merchandising and that kind of thing, because um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's so much harder for artists to break out today because there's just, I mean, back in the day we had MTV and radio and, you know, there just weren't, there wasn't that much new music coming out. Now, you know, with technology, everybody can sort of self publish either on the internet or, or, you know, but then we have the breakout, you know, YouTube stars that are like can be bigger than your wildest dreams that you could have never been able to do without like a big record company behind you. So right. it's kind of interesting how it's uneven, you know, yeah. and it could begat some really um, exciting things. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, it seems like like what you're talking about with with the tools people have to to create their new music, whereas before you couldn't it seems like there's more opportunity, but then on the flip side, it seems kind of like to really break out. It's almost like winning the lottery, I think, you know? Yeah. But then you just have to go back to the basic thing. Okay. We have the tools, but do we have any, you know, you still have to, you know, you always hope that the creativity and the art wins at the end of the day, you right. know, especially in this economy with all everybody's job. It's just like, Oh, well, let's hire the younger person for like, you know, 10% of the price, <laughs> right, you know, right. you're just hoping that, you know, we have all this technology, but the good's going to like, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top right? and, and, and the good, you know, people will hear the good songs and the shitty songs. You know, even if you have like a billion dollar equipment, will still suck. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you see a lot of that, like, you know, just, there's a lot of interesting thing. I mean, 
even in my business, you know, 19-year-old um, bloggers are being hired to do, like, big advertising campaigns, photography-wise. Mm. Interesting. Will they be able to, um, you know, will they be able to, to do the, like, Target campaign or the Hermes <laughs> or something? Or will they, you know, maybe one of them will, maybe one of them won't, you know? Yeah. So do you have any advice for the younger generation trying to break into the music industry? I guess, again, you know, follow your bliss and and, and try to make the music that you want to make and um, just be true to yourself. I think that that's what, um, coming full circle, uh, you know, follow your passion, you know, uh, keep filling the well with, like, sounds like I'm using all the cliches, but... <laughs> Um, you know, listen to music, uh, you know, you know, fill yourself with a lot of good information and, and good, um, you know, art and culture and music and, and try to have, try to figure out what your voice is yeah, and what it is that you want to say. Even, you know, you, you know, little, little things change the world. And I think that that's why I was using that phrase because I feel like I'm, remembering that that's what made us start every you know young person sort of like we're going to change the world with this and i think that you know you don't want that to stop you always want to feel like in your own way in your own uh you know little way your voice can change the world and and you don't have to take on the whole world just just take it one step at a time yeah one little idea at a time yeah so if you could collaborate with any other living artist or band or something, is there anyone you'd like totally love to work with and, and do a song with? Um, gosh, I really haven't thought of that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to collaborate. Um, I'm trying to think who, yeah, let me, I'm trying to think who. I can imagine you guys coming up with some, like, out of left field. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying I haven't done enough interviews. Yeah, I have thought about that, but I would like, you know, I'm excited about this opportunity, you know, to work with Ted again. And, um, but I would love to, you know, collaborate with, um, with someone and, and, um, you know, do what I do with someone else's music and, and, um, production. I would be interested in that. Yeah. Have you guys talked about doing any, any cover songs of any, anyone else's existing work? Yeah, we were thinking about, um, about doing that we were sort of deciding whether to do a cover or to do the new music we'll see how we'll see how everything works yeah. out so <laughs> we'll see which one um comes up we were going to do something for i think we thought we were going to do like a Austin pride or something like that but i don't think that we're, we ended up doing that but yeah we, we have some thought about that it's always fun to do a cover sometimes you know they turn out better than others some turn out better than others <laughs> yeah um and then you might not even have an answer for this, but with your new music, do you think you might release something before those shows in October or are you going to like debut it like live? We wanted to, um, we wanted to have something ready. So I don't want to promise yet until we, we, we get a little farther. That yeah. But that's the idea. We'd like to, um, to have something. And actually we wanted to have vinyl because I was so, I've been so surprised when we've done these shows and like people have shown up with all their old, they have a better, they have a better book of love record collection than I do. That's (laughs) for sure. So it was nice to see some of these old friends. Yeah. (laughs) The records and the old friends, the people. (laughs) (laughs) And then I noticed on the um, DNA lounge show in San Francisco that there's a meet and greet option. Is that something Mm -hmm. you guys are going to do at all the shows or 
because I don't think the, the the tickets for the other shows have gone on sale yet. So, um, I think we we really enjoyed the experience, and it was really great to. Um, it it wasn't as much as I I have to say originally I thought it was just kind of, you know, like gratuitous kind of thing to do, but it was really great when we had our show in Texas. People flew in from all over the country, and it yeah. was real. I felt really honored and really touched that um, you know people came so far to see the show, and it really um, it had a big impact on the group. So I enjoy, and instead of. Um, you know, I, I sort of see the purpose of it now in that way where somebody's maybe trying to, you know, see the band or they want to have the record signed and it, and right. it accidentally happens. I think this is nice and it was a really positive thing for us to meet, um, you know, uh, some new and, and, and people that we hadn't met before. So I, I, you know, would like to, I think some of the other clubs have a, they're not as big or something like that. Right, I don't know right. if we're doing a meet and greet in the other ones, but I do know for sure that we're doing one at DNA because I saw that. Yeah. And we agreed to it. And, um, you know, we tried to keep it a smaller group so it's not this crazy thing. I don't like the idea of like, okay, VIP and <laughs> the whole show is there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. sell all these like rip-off tickets. I hope that we'll, if you do VIP, you get your money for it. You definitely got to meet the band and we'll get it. Actually, they told us that it was the slowest um, VIP they've ever had and we have to start <laughs> <laughs> moving through people faster because we were too so they were not they, they were happy at the club but they were mad that we like took a little bit too much time with the piece so yeah yeah cool and then just last question um how do you feel about like your fan base um over the years like it seems like people you know haven't forgotten about you and you know still can't you like it's one of their favorite bands and everything like oh my god i think it's amazing i mean like no we have a couple of fans i'm just like you know um that how can you keep the love alive we have not had any <laughs> new material in 20 years and you're still doing all this stuff so i think that they're amazing and yeah. you know i've met some amazing people that you know are fans or have been influenced by our music and that are our friends and it's just a wonderful gift to um you know um a career to have people that you know the music has meant so much just what you said today you 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 skipped your prom yeah. you know i wish i skipped my prom it wasn't so great yeah um but um you know to see our show and that music has meant so much our music has meant so much to them i, I can't even tell you what it means it's like you know it's, it's it's an honor and it's it's a gift to be able to have done for our fans, what, like, all this other music, you know, I got through college listening to Patti Smith, you know, yeah, things yeah. like that. I just, you know, it, it's a great honor. So oh. it, I, I I totally appreciate it, and I hope that we can do a good show and, and put out some music that people will equally like. Cool. Well, I'm I'm really, really looking forward to seeing the, the show in San Francisco, and... Uh... I'm I'm really excited that you guys are doing new music. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear it because uh, pretty much everything you guys put out, I loved. So no oh, that's no, great. no pressure, no, but so uh, <laughs> but but I I think you guys will will come up with some awesome stuff. So I'm really looking forward to hearing it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for um, taking the time to talk to me today. And uh, no problem. Thank you for listening to our program, Rock Talk, for the latest gig archives, articles and features about popular music and concert events around the world. Please visit us online at www.rocksubculture.com.
Um, I have a guy here. Um, you can't even say Moosebusters. 